0: This is Femi Kuti, and you are listening to NYC Radio Live.
1: The same old thing. Uh, the same old thing.
0: Ah, the same old thing. Uh, the same old thing. Indeed, you are listening to NYC Radio Live. My name is David Ellenbogen, and this is the best podcast I have to offer to date. I know I say that a lot, but I always mean it. I got to sit down and go to the house of George Porter Jr. George Porter Jr. is the bass player from The Meters. The Meters who are right at the beginning. You could say they were some of the inventors of funk. I thought everybody knows who they are, but in case you are not sure... Take a listen for a second. guys those guys the meters uh, coming out of New Orleans Art Neville Leo Nucentelli and Joseph Zigobo uh, they were the band and they were the backup band for like um, a ton a ton of hits coming out of New Orleans um, they were the house band for the C-Saint label people like Alan Toussaint Earl King and Dorsey, Irma Thomas, um, and he had this amazing career. He continues playing, uh, you know, Patti LaBelle, Paul McCartney, David Byrne, Taj Mahal. A killing album with uh, John Schofield, worth uh, checking out. Um, so, sat down with a legend, but uh, he, I learned so much more than just music. I mean, the guy has a heart of gold and an amazing attitude. So much to learn from. So we're going to hear from him. He's coming to town. Let me see. He's coming to town very soon. April 16th at American Beauty. 251 West 30th from 630 to 930 with his funky friends. That's going to be awesome. And, um... Yeah, it's going to be really great. I'm so glad to share this with you. There's a video on the site, NYC Radio Live site, with the last half hour of this interview where he explains how to um, play some of his most famous music. Uh, Really, really touching video. And finally, just wanted to catch you guys up with a few things because listeners of this podcast... Are the first to really follow the Brooklyn Raga Massive for three years now, and this weekend it all blew up to a huge level. There was a huge New York Times article, more than a full-page article on the <laughs> on the uh, Raga Massive. I was. Um, well, I feel like this podcast is small enough that you are the ones I could be honest with. I feel very mixed feelings. I'm really happy. So many calls are coming in for gigs. It's, it's crazy. Uh, but my picture was there. It was I'm right next to my uh, good friend, roommate uh, Jay Gandhi and Arun Ramamurti and Shiva Goshal. But my picture was bigger. In an article about Bernie Sanders winning two states in the New York Times. Now, granted, he was on the front page when we were somewhere in the art section in the New York Times, I mean, but on the Sunday edition, but Oh, it's a little sad how they're burying Bernie and I'm not saying nothing. <laughs> cuz I'll say it to you people cuz if you made it past my introduction you're not like the powers that be that will punish me because it's great, it's amazing. As my friend said, Dana Hantridge said, "As soon as Empire says yes, everybody says yes, and right away the museums are calling for gigs." It's really amazing, uh, really exciting. And the main point was actually that you, NYC Radio Live listeners, were the first, were years ahead of everybody else. Of this movement uh, that is now being called the Raga Renaissance by just about everyone. You guys were the first. Anyway, now to much more important stuff. Words and wisdom and a hang from a man who is from New Orleans, but he also is New Orleans. and um, It's such an important place in the world. Here uh, we are at home with George Porter Jr. I know you were born in New Orleans. You're 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 the real thing.
1: Yeah, I was born here. Yeah, yeah gone, well, I, I think I get um 69 years this year. Okay.
0: <laughs> wow. One one feeling I have about this town is like compared to New York. I would say a, a lot of people growing up, they get exposed to a lot of music solely through records, pretty much. But mm-hmm. it sounds like I imagine from your youth, you're you were up and down the strip and hearing tons and tons of live music.
1: Well, yeah. not as much as up and down the strip, you know. I mean, the yeah. strip could be called the street I lived on, right? You know, uh, um, well, you know, when I was, um, by the time I got to the to the age of where um music was going to be a part of me my mom gave me um my mom started my brother and I off on violins when we were on gravity street and um my dad hated those things because you know well Sweet. truth of the matter is we never really learned how to play them <laughs> you, know? you know she kind of just gave us these things and we was in the house <laughs> making all kind of noise right. and my old man kind of went through the ceiling you know he wanted to kill somebody with them things uh it wasn't until i was 8 years old until i got my my mom gave me um actually it was my grandmother who who gave me uh, um an acoustic guitar and um and 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 um that was like where it began but at that you know all the way up to that that point that age when we moved off of Gravity Street onto Padilla Street there was two houses within well one was in the same block that i was in that uh on the weekends uh, um the musicians that weren't out playing gigs were all in that house on that corner you know uh, um playing it would it would be 15 20 guys in there playing guitars and uh um you know and 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 um and bass bass It was no drummers you know it was it was that room would be just full of guitar players and bass mm-hmm. players you know and they would, they would just, they would play for hours, you know. And I, I remember sitting on the steps just listening to them for hours, you know, and, and until you know, until they got close to, you know, I think my my curfew was like eight eight o'clock or something. I had to be home, or you know, I could be at the house on the porch at by eight. And I could sit outside till maybe nine or something like that, but um. But that house that was in that block and that's the one I hung out at the ones the most, that, that at that house. But there was another house like two blocks to my left, to my right, going towards um Claiborne Avenue. Uh, um that where it was there, you know, the pretty much the same situation. You know, it was just guys, you know, in the house playing, you know, they was in playing.
0: And the neighbors are not calling the cops in this kind of
1: Neighbors didn't call up cops or nothing. It was it was you know that neighborhood was kind of was kind of well known for, for the music thing. You know, cause we had around the corner from us on Gravity Street, there was a um, there was a, um, a, a, a social pleasure club called the Jolly Bunch. And those guys, used to they used to do second lines and, and parades and, 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 um, and stuff. And, you know, it's usually a, a second line would be kind of named, named out to, we're going to bury a friend or something. These guys used to just get drunk and pave a second line. <laughs> they, they said, That's watch the streets, you know. Was, and back then, it wasn't a thing that, you know, you didn't have to go uh, jump through loops with the city to get a permit to sit um, there. You just can wake up and just... Hey man, let's get our access and go march down the street, you know. Right and have a parade, you know.
0: Wow. Uh yeah, I mean it it sounds like all the ingredients for, for a lot of great music. I mean Oh, absolutely.
1: It, I mean it was it was it was very it was very open for um for for um for playing and absorbing. Mm-hmm. You know, because it was um the, the guys the guys from those days they were very open to sharing their knowledge, you know, not as much today as everybody is trying to protect their knowledge because everybody usually gets it and run off and play better than them or something like that, right. you know, and make more money, you know, so now they're probably just protecting their knowledge, you know, and copyrighting their knowledge. All that stuff that happened back in those days, it wasn't copyrights on that stuff, it was just guys playing, you know, and doing really great.
0: So, I grant you, with
1: most of it was cover music, you know, right. and stuff. That, but you know, but you know, it's just it's, there were ideas that were floating around in those those rooms that never got heard again. You know, because it it's, it happened that one time, and that was it. The next time they, they did it, it was different. You know,
0: right. So you're you're picking up people are just uh, being friendly and showing you things on guitar. You didn't have a, a teacher proper. No, I did have a proper okay. teacher. Yeah, at
1: eight years old, it was the rule. when my mom gave me the guitar. It was that I had to take lessons, and um, or you know I was supposed to take violin lessons. We just didn't get to the weekend where I was supposed to go. Between the day my mom bought the thing in there and the two days later when it got thrown out the house, you know, you know we didn't have a chance to go to a violin lesson. You know? Right. Um, so no, um, no, I had I had to take guitar lessons. I, I had a guitar teacher uh, named Hamilton Brown, uh-huh. and uh, and from eight to almost eleven I, I took lessons.
0: Yeah. And you're learning uh
1: what Well I I had a gut haired guitar. So um so the um the the teacher assumed because of the type of guitar it was, um that um it was you know it was a classical guitar. Right. So um so he was teaching me the formula for playing classical guitar. Mm-hmm. But the idea, the um, he was teaching me the songs that I was learning to learn this this fingering, this formula yeah. for playing classical music, was you know country songs, home on the range, and Red river uh-huh. valley, and stuff like that. You know, um, alternate and, thumb kind of things. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm using thumb and fingers, right? Uh, um, and uh, you know, you know, I mean, I was you know cool with that, you know. Mm-hmm. I wanted, you know, because I wanted to learn the instrument, and I wanted to learn how to read music and all that kind of stuff. So I was going for it. And uh, then one day, <clears> this <throat> was like in, into my—I was guess I would be into my third year uh, 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 of of my—I um, was on—I was eleven or so, and um, and I was on my way to to a guitar lesson, and, um, and I changed my route. I usually just go straight down Pedeeva Street to um, to the bus stop at Galvez and and catch the Galvez bus and go go downtown. Um, this particular time, I went to the corner of this Wall, and I made a right turn and I was going I was going to walk up to Tulane Avenue and catch the bus. You know, it's three blocks away from the house. Mm-hmm. But I was just you know I just was walking and when I got to the corner of Gravia and 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 uh, that's not Durshin Wall. That was Gravier. Yeah, that was Durshin Wall, I believe. Uh, um, I heard music, so, and I, so, I, so I stopped and listened. So I turned onto Gravier Street and walked towards, you know, walked towards Galveston Street. It was just as I got past the corner, about a house and a half, two houses off the corner, I bumped into a a a, a, a guy and his grandfather playing guitar. Guitars on 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 their steps, just the two of them just sitting there playing. Well, and I noticed that the grandfather was playing with those finger thumb mm-hmm. format, you know. And but the songs he was playing was you know uh, was you know St. Louis woman and st- you know some blues stuff, you know. Right. And I, I'm saying to myself, I "That's what I want." I'm
0: getting ripped up. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, I'm not. That, that's the songs I want right. to play, you know. So that from that point on it was it was you know it was a it was my my direction for which songs I was gonna learn how to play on this guitar had changed
0: you're uh-huh. you learning like the Mississippi John hurt kind of style or kind of uh well like you know it was i
1: would i would you know i wouldn't consider who those guys were right. i didn't even know who those right, guys right. were to me it was papi's grandfather style right, 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 <laughs> you right. it was right. it was you know i didn't know those yeah. other guys i had never right. heard of them you know but so yeah, i'm looking at this old man playing right. on the steps and he was playing and he wasn't right. he wasn't you know just joking around right. he was actually really playing that right. thing you know and um so uh, yeah, it was it was yeah. his style. <laughs> right.
0: So the blues hit you at a young age. That... Oh no, yeah, absolutely. And and where else would you hear that kind of music?
1: Well, you know, for the most part, it, there and in that house on the corner. Wow. You know, at the house on the corner that I started, you know, started right. going, going, heading down to about the age of twelve is when I started hanging down at that house on the corner.
0: And did you find any kind of work at a young age, church gigs, that kind of thing? Well,
1: uh, um, I think uh, I think around um, fourteen or maybe fifteen, I um, Papi, the base the guy who was the who eventually was the base mentor to me, uh, Benjamin Francis. Uh, his, his, that was him and his grandfather. Papi uh, had a. a, a, a a little, a little hit down at the at the Sanctified Church down. It was right next door to the Jolly Bunch Club. You know, it was this, this night, this club where the well, the by the, the Jolly Bunch had their mm-hmm. things, and then right next door to it was this was this Sanctified Church. Right, and uh, and so I got to play, play, you know, play there a couple of times. You know, because um, mm-hmm. Poppy, I started going to Poppy, you know, and just playing with him and, and his grandfather. And after his grandfather passed away, you know, and I was just started, kind of start hanging with Poppy.
0: at what age did you start getting exposed to more uh more like nightclub type acts or that kind of thing
1: um i I would guess i would think i was well into um uh, 16 15 16 and all that kind of happened really quick you know uh once once my parents separated and, and me and my um my mom moved us uptown New Orleans and I moved around the corner from a guitar player named Herbert Wing, who, uh, at the, at, the, I didn't know at the time, but, we, but his, um, his bass player was Papi, you know? So, uh, so I, you know, I kinda got, got, got hung with those guys and, and we were doing more, he was doing more of those fraternity gigs. He was on Broadway street doing uh-huh. playing those frat okay houses thing. and that's how I got to meet Cato and Earl King and, uh, and all those guys, you know, uh, um, through um Benny Spellman and, and um Tommy Ridgeley, right. you know, Frankie Ford and all those guys through playing those fraternity houses up there was Herbert Wing's band, the Royal Knights, used to be the back the house band to play behind these guys. Right. And so that's how I got in and you know, introduced mostly into what was typically considered club gigs, uh-huh. you know. But they were in a fraternity house. And and
0: they brought you into the fold. They they'd bring you on a, a guitar or bass or
1: I was kinda like the roadie. Okay. <laughs> I think I was New Orleans' very first roadie. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And uh and, and then I was the I was the go to guy. So if, if somebody had to go run off to the bathroom or some stuff like that, I would play the instrument for a song. You know, so right. I was playing bass, drums and guitar. Wow. You know, so I mean, I, I was you know by 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 fifteen, I was playing all three instruments and very fluently.
0: Wow, that's ambition! <laughs> you, you had your eyes on the prize. I had the eyes on the prize. Yeah. And and who of of all those artists, who was the one that you kind of idolized the most, or you wanted to?
1: Earl King, more than likely, was mm-hmm. uh, um, was was the, was the one musician that I thought was um, you know um, offered me more. Um, insight to um, what to do and what not to do as a musician, Um, you know, at that when I was a kid. And when I got to meet Alan Toussaint much, you know, probably might have been about four or five years later, um, when we started working for him in the the, the studio, I got a different um, input to um, what to do and what not to do as a musician right in the studio setting. in the studio thing yeah. right. but um as a as a just a musician in the club and on the, and just being a young guy on the streets Earl King was like was probably like the the, the father you know that I really didn't have at that time wow. you know because he um you know he he kind of kept me uh, out of a lot of trouble you know
0: and and what what were some of these things that to do or not do musically <laughs>
1: you know, oh well, uh, don't follow that girl; she's trouble. Okay. 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 And how do you find out? <laughs> uh, uh, you know, it's just the do's and don'ts of of of, of, of hanging out. You know, because I was underage, uh-huh. I couldn't hang in a dewdrop. You know, but it was you know it was parts of of the dewdrops um, influence that I had, I got uh, um, just from um, you know being in the right place at the right time knowing when to be at a certain at the door at a, when the, when a change you go out or something like that you know cuz once i'm in the club you know i'm usually cool cuz i can hide out so right, and, right. and not be visible to the, to wow. the um to the owner or the or the manager right, right 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 cuz as soon as the owner or the manager spotted me they threw me out oh, <laughs> wow. all okay. right Porter, get out of here <laughs> you know you, you ain't were supposed well-known. to be there i was too young you know
0: wow but he didn't give you a lot of like you know, when in doubt, layout, these kind of. No,
1: some of those things. When in doubt, Layout Came I got that from playing with, um, with Walter Washington. It was a uh-huh. saxophonist named Frank Morton. We was playing in the eight hundred eight, and uh, 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 um, and and he used to say that all the time. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's, 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 when in doubt, lay out. You know, and it's, you know, and wait for it to come back around. You know, right. And, and and I I learned a lot from just knowing how to listen, um, you know, and listening to the to the song and know when the song started and when it ended, meaning when you know when the when the verse you know if it was a twelve bar blues I learned. At the end of this 12 ball blues, this is the same thing is going to happen again. Right, right. You know, but it's going to be, you know, and sometimes I learned the difference between the 16 ball blueses and the 8 mm-hmm. ball blueses and things that were being played in the, in the, in the, in the juke joints back right. then, you know.
0: Wow. Now, to, to someone growing up in, in White Plains, Westchester, a juke joint is just like a, an idea. <laughs> like i've never been to a juke joint <laughs> go- it's just this concept uh, you know imagine Sunhouse kicking down the doors and walking into a juke joint so what, what what was this what's a scene of a juke joint like
1: well the, the 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 two that i the two that i had there was actually with three that i had the pleasure of living in one was the 808 um the other one was um was called Dirtiest medallion and uh um, and then there was one on, on on Desire Street downtown in the Ninth Ward called Club Desire, mm-hmm. and and there was you know there was there were like, um, and I mean they, you know they you know the the, the 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 joints from the from the from the days from the from the guys in the thirties and the forties, you know they, it was in the in the sixties you know it was a totally sort of different scene, right. but it was pretty much it was a a, a, a black club. Mm-hmm. Where you know where you know they they um was sort of like a a a, a brown bag kind of thing you know they, they sell they would sell um, what they call setups uh,
0: you okay. know like a coke or
1: something. yeah a coke and the ice and stuff and you'd right. bring your own bottle or something like that a couple of them were like uh. that the eight oh eight wasn't like that the eight oh eight actually had a ball you had to buy your ball liquor in uh-huh. the ball and darts medallion was like that too but the club decided, you 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 know you can go in and you can get a, buy a, you do the setup and you buy the setup. You know, but you have your own booze, right. you know.
0: And these places, they didn't have a cover charge. Oh yeah, they, 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 they co- were two, two,
1: three dollars or something like that dollars. together. Yeah.
0: And that all and the musicians did okay.
1: And the musicians did great.
0: Pass the hat around as well, or no?
1: No, no. You know, um, uh, um, the eight hundred eight. There wasn't a. It wasn't a tip situation. Uh-huh. Um, and the club Desire might have had a a, a tip thing. Dartis medallion, yes, I think they were. Uh, you know, I put, when I did Dartis with David and them yeah. they we used to, we used to get tips, yeah.
0: And you're still and the music, it, it's it's heavy. Uh, um, is dance or, or more people sitting there listening or? Well, was... it
1: went from it went from the beginning of the gig started off playing swing. Mm-hmm. We would be swinging and playing, uh, you know, um, some bebop, but most swing, mostly uh-huh. swing, swing and shuffles. Well, you know, because there was. There were shuffles until the solos and when the solos happened then they would swing the solos, you know. Okay. Uh um so you know, so the bass line was would, would go from being a doom do doom do 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 to a boom doom do to right. a walking bass line. Uh um so those kind of that would be the sort of at the first hour. Because, uh-huh. you know, basically in in the in on those gigs back then those days, you would play a two and a half hour first set. <laughs> First set would be two and a half hours. You took a break and then you came back and play an hour, and you can go home. Mm-hmm. You know, you take a half hour break and then an hour set, and you go home. Well, and the idea was is that the um, the, you know, that you play to more. You play till the the house is packed. Right. Why take a break? You know, exactly. So you play, you play as long as you, what they think you can play. Uh, um. Mm-hmm. Uh, um you know, two and a half hours. That should be pretty much close to long enough time. And then you know, and and then you take your break. And at that point, more than likely, you're gonna lose. You know, one third of the audience. You know, right. And then uh, usually, if there's a cover charge, they drop the cover charge to half the price. Mm-hmm. You know, and then try and fill the fill the back club back up again. Right. And then you come back and play an hour. And uh, and you know, but but. The fact that the gig was only, I mean, the door was only $2, it wasn't like a big, it wasn't too many people griping for being there for that last hour. You know, all right. they got to see is the hour worth of music.
0: Right. And I guess that there was competition, like, there's other places people could go. Oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. So that, that's why you had to play such a long set. Cause oh, it's, yeah. Cause the swing, you oh, could yeah. Just it's like Frenchman Street now. You oh yeah. Know, as soon as yeah, something is over. There's yeah, you saw, there's
1: always something going on, and, and and then the other thing about Frenchman Street is, is that you know uh, over half of those clubs that's on Frenchman Street, over half of them are free doors. There's no, right. there's, no there's no, there's no cover chart. So you know, so like clubs like Snug Harbor and DBAs, mm-hmm. they have to really um, put forth, uh, 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 you know. A, they they put in there the, the best, the cream of the crop. Right. You know, um, not not musicians you're going to see on the street down there every right. day or every other day, you know, or yeah. maybe once a month, you know, I, just yeah. in
0: there. I saw your, your guy, uh, Wolfman, last night. Walter, yeah, yeah. at DBA's? Yeah, DBA, yeah. yeah, he was great. Yeah, wow, okay, so let's fast forward. Now you're... you're, uh, you're, you're Let's you're, you're becoming semi-professional, <laughs> Yes. <Yeah. laughs> right. And then uh, I guess what what's the big break? Is it is it meeting Alan Toussaint? Is it is well the a... the big the
1: the big thing I think at that point was meeting Art Neville. Okay. Uh, uh that would have been in the middle '60s, like around '65, something like that, when uh-huh. I met Art.
0: And I read you. He met you. You were sitting in. Uh, uh
1: oh, I, I I met Art. The first time I met Art um, was maybe a year and a half earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, Herbert Wing, the guy that um, the guitar player that was living around the corner from me and my mom's house when we was living uptown, Um, you know, he um, Art called you know called him up because he needed a guitar player, Mm -hmm. and um, and uh, Herbert couldn't play the gig because he was doing a fraternity house gig that night. Well, because I was the, you know, I was the wingman in that right. with that guy. Herbert said, "I'll send, I'll send, I'll send somebody to play with you tonight." You know, he's a good, he's you know, he knows all the songs, he knows everything, and uh, and you know, he sent me to play the gig. Well, um, Art at the time needed a lead guitar player, somebody who played solos. Right. I wasn't a lead guitar player. I was a rhythm guitar mm-hmm. player, and I played every one of those songs the rhythm like just almost exactly like the records. You right. know. But um, you know, Art wanted me to play solos because he wasn't a piano. He wasn't a soloist on the piano. Right. He played piano to accompany himself. Right. So at the end of the night, he you know I was told, "Man, you're the worst guitar player. <laughs> you know, you're horrible." You know, and I said, "You know, I, you know I said, oh, I'm sorry, man. You right. know, I you know I'm a rhythm guitar player. Yeah. You know, that's that's this is what I do." You know, and um, so it was uh, a couple of years later, uh, about a year and a half later, um. I was playing with a uh, guitar player named Irvin Bannister. And Irvin Bannister was like um you know he 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 played the guitar solo on Danny White's Kiss Tomorrow Goodbye. Mm-hmm. And like uh, he was that guitar solo was like one of the famous guitar solos of New Orleans in the R&B community. <coughs> so um so Irvin was Irvin was the band, you know. And uh, I was playing in his band. And um or we were playing at a club called the Cindy Club, and it was directly across the street from Charlie's Corner. Well, that Charlie's Corner is where all of the the upper usher line, you know, it was a key club, but they didn't have a key. You had to knock on the door, and the guy would look out the window and see who it was, and he would let you in, you know. And uh, uh, Art used to hang there. Fats Diamond used to hang there, you right. know. Well, Fats used to always come, you know, fat would come Fats would come over about a half hour before we get ready to end the night you know, he would come over and want to sit in and he would come in and sit in and play for an hour and a half, <laughs> you know, right. so we, we'd be there, you know, the game was supposed to be over at one, we'd be there until three because fast wasn't placeable, you know, and, uh, uh, and, you know, you don't say, tell fast get off, you know, you don't, right. you, know, you just keep playing, you know, and so that's what we did, so one of those nights Art Neville came over and when he came over by then, by now, I'm playing bass mm-hmm. and he saw me playing bass and, uh, and he's and then after, so he hung around until the gig was over with, and he said, "Now that's the instrument you ought to be playing." And uh, he said, "You want a gig?" And then the fact that I was playing, a, I was playing a a a bass guitar with only three strings, uh. because because it wasn't a G string on it because the, 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 the nut. Was gone. I didn't know good. you can replace those things. <laughs> you know, I didn't, I just I never. say when that right. nut was gone, where right. the string had Not to tie. It was, that's just it's a three string bass from now on, you know. And um and uh, so that's when he's, and so he told me. And he and he didn't give me no grief. He, he hired me. I, I took the gig. And uh and and um somewhere like I know that's right. We did that gig at the Nightcap for probably a year and a half almost almost two years I think and we moved to Bourbon Street mm-hmm. when we moved to Bourbon Street at that point Art told me that I needed to put that full string on that bass you know he wow. told me I needed it to get the full long. string yeah and uh, 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 and and uh, you know so what ended up happening was that um, I took um, and went to World Line's Music and I told my mom I was getting a better gig better paying gig and my mom got me a new bass, so, so that's how I got a new bass.
0: Wow, and uh, it's 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 always comes back to mom, right? <laughs> <laughs> Can't do anything without mothers. Um, so who was in the lineup when you're playing with with Art Neville at that time? Well,
1: uh, the band back then was uh, uh, at the Nightcap. It started off with um, Gary Brown on saxophone, Leo Nelson Telly on guitar. Uh, my cell phone bass art Neville, and then there was a drummer named Glenn. I never mm-hmm. can never remember never remember what glenn's last name is, and nobody else in the band could remember what glenn's last name was um and and how we how Glenn disappeared off the face of the map was that um he he had to go in for a minor surgery and uh it took him out you know for like seven days or something like that it was, it was like two weekends or something like that and um and Zigaboo was playing with Deacon Jones at the time. Zig, Art got Zigaboo to come in and set in for Glenn at the nightcap. And um, that Sunday, that second Sunday that we were there, Glenn came back, you know, to come back and let everybody know he was well and ready to, ready to get his gig back. And he heard Zig playing his drums. And, and he, he told the owner of the club, cause the, the guy Roland, the owner of the club, um, told us that Glenn told him, say, "Well, I ain't gonna get this gig back, <laughs> you know? right? Because Zig was like, he was nailing it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it was like, wow." So and that's it. That now, was you, it. now you got the meters. Now, we, now we, we got what was going to eventually become the meters. We yeah. went, we moved from 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 the Nightcap to the Bourbon Street. Gary Brown stayed in the band for maybe three months down there, and um, it was right after Martin Luther King was killed that. um that Gary started having problems um with the communication thing with with the with the seriously white clientele that was there and um uh, and, uh, uh, and, and and so um so the owner kept on kind of telling art that he need Gary need to calm it down some you know and not be uh-huh. in, in these people's face like that you know and um and Gary got really upset and he quit the band, uh-huh. so then we became a full piece band and we stayed at that that's what it is. yeah.
0: And this is 66, 64? Yeah, 66, yeah. And all right, so now you got this hot band. You knew right away that this is something. Well,
1: nobody, we we never knew. I I think when the band broke up, we didn't know it was good. Right, okay. I I mean, because I think if the band knew that, you know, 50 years down the line Mm -hmm. that what they did would still be coming back, you know, and still be wanting to be heard, and still people want to still pay money to see those four players play together. That we'd have we'd have took better care of ourselves, you know, uh-huh. uh, or we'd have took better care of each other. Because mm-hmm. that's the thing, you know. Once 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 a band stops taking care of each other, mm. then it falls apart. Right. You know, uh, uh, and and it's a hard that's a hard thing to find. You know, to find anything. You know, either there has to be two re- two things that keep a band taking care of each other. One has to be the fact that you care and you give it, you know, you care enough about what each other's going through to help each other. Right. Or you know that we can make a whole lot of money if we just put our heads in the right place. Now with those two things being said, if if either one of those things happen then it's a chance that the band will stay together forever, right. you know. But if you know, but if neither one of those two things, you know, if 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 the more me concept gets to be bigger than than mm-hmm. the band, then then yeah, this and that's what happened with the meters. There was, was just more more me, you know, right. and, and, and you know, and I, and I think at at some point everybody chose a corner. You know? Yeah. You know, and it was like you know, it was so we we couldn't get in the middle no more. You know, it was very hard to get in the middle.
0: Yeah, well, it's tricky, right? Because it's like a, a band just turns into a family, and families are complicated. Families are
1: complicated as they are, yeah.
0: right? Yeah. So it must be a very strange feeling. I mean, I'm thinking 1966. This concept, like. Funk isn't really a a thing. It's not a a label, at least. No, not at all. At the time, it was R and B. It was R and B. But, but did you feel like you were doing something fresh and new? I mean, because that's how history looks at it.
1: Um, I thought that you know the first the first three records, the recordings we did, the most of that uh, all that instrumental stuff. Yeah, uh, I thought that um we had done something. Really, really different, mostly because uh, we had knocked we had we had knocked Booker T and MGS off the top of the charts, mm-hmm. uh, um, and you know and and and, and 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 oh we 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 ran really close you know really close to the top of the instrumental kind of thing, you know um, bands that play that stuff today they calling them jazz bands or you know jazz smooth jazz or some stuff like that. Uh, um, so you know we I I thought we were doing something really good, but one thing that I thought we wasn't doing was taking advantage of the greatest vocalist that we had, right. you know Art Neville, you know and uh and and I think that um by the time we by the time we got to the to the to the fourth record recording, Art had sang a couple of songs on the second and the third records. The fourth record, the Rejuvenation record, by this time, Leo Nocentelli and, and Zig are writing songs that ought should sing that they wanted Art to sing, uh-huh. and uh, um, you know, and that also was another thing that kind of a camel that kind of put stress on the back of the players of of, of the players because uh, um, you know they were asking Art to do something that he didn't do naturally. Because you know, if if Art was left to sing a song the way he wanted to sing it, it would not be sang the way they wanted it recorded. Right. You know, so they were always in, on him about no, sing it like this. This is just giving him the melody line. This is what this is the what the melody oh, right. line is supposed to be, and he did it, but then he hated it. <laughs> you know,
0: wow, that's tricky. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. That was a, one of the one, probably one of the. Fifty percent of the reasons why so many of those songs, after we recorded them, never ever got played. <laughs> right, because yeah. <laughs> Even today.
0: <laughs> right, but you you've brought a lot of those songs back recently.
1: Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah, I did a whole a whole record of uh, of of um, I sixteen tracks of um, meter songs that was recorded by the band but never performed live mm-hmm. by the band.
0: Right. With the running partners, with the running partners, yeah, right? Yeah, and so you uh, during this period, you guys become kind of a house band for Allen Two Saints.
1: Yeah, we we uh, we did we did a bunch of recording for Allen, um, and then that, and that's how we got to be to do ours. It was the end of a, a Lee Dorsey session when um, Marshall Cihon, um s- told us, um, kind of said, uh, "Why don't y'all just go ahead and lay down something, play something, you know, lay down something? We're gonna push the button." And, uh, and you know, we 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 laid down um four pieces of music. Um, um it was some, some sophisticated sissy, um sissy strut, Here Come the Meet a Man and Seahorn's Farm. Uh on which at the time Seahorn's form really was Turkey and a straw. um <laughs> uh-huh. uh, and um and um so it was um and we didn't those songs, we didn't even we didn't name those songs and um you um, know we after we cut 'em awesome, "So it's good night, see y'all guys later. Right. And, you know, and then two or three days later we were back on the road, you know. What and do you uh
0: mean, back on the road back
1: though? back, you know, back on back in the vans, driving across country somewhere. Mm-hmm. And um no, no, no. We were on Bourbon Street. No, we were on Bourbon Street. So while we were on Bourbon Street, uh, um, the, um, I don't remember how that happened. If somebody got a phone call, said uh, 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 that um, that they're playing a song that y'all, one of y'all songs, on the radio or some stuff like that. Oh no, how, how did that happen? I can't remember. No. Okay, I think let me see if I remember this. I don't want to tell a lie on on, on public radio. <laughs> um, we were on Bourbon first. Street. The songs were recorded one day. I think Marshall had actually went out and shopped the material, mm-hmm. and all this might have happened within five six week period of time. He went and shopped the music, and then one day he called us into his office, and he gave us a sign, a piece of paper, a big old check with a lot of numbers on it, you know, and say, "Sign on the dotted line." put some names in a hat we pulled out some names in a hat and 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 one of the name came up the meters and um and that was it we went back on bourbon street and um you know at this point in time now technically speaking we called the meters but not at the Ivanhoe because at the Ivanhoe we were still at Neville and the Neville Sound and um so um you know, you know few weeks later, you know, uh, we, um, hear, we hear somebody gets a phone call saying, we just heard your record on the ra- on 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 radio, you know. And they were playing Sissy, uh, sophisticated Sissy on the radio. And um, I said, wow. <laughs> and, you know, that was that was the first release. And then maybe six, eight weeks later, they released Sissy Strut. And they both was in the charts, climbing the charts together. You know, it's like kind of. Wow. And at that point, Marshall they had you know had hired um, Phil Walden's booking agency, and they was, we was on the road playing juke, you know playing playing the you know not juke drunks then, but not it wasn't really juke joints anymore. No but we was playing little black clubs back in the woods, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which you know probably was you know fifteen years earlier probably was called a juke joint,
0: you know. Uh huh. What what's what's the scene there? Hmm. What What was the scene like in these these clubs in the woods? Oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> to say the least, it was. I mean, it was. I never ever felt unsafe. Let's put it that way. But I seen some stuff that was that was scary, uh-huh. making one thing. Or, oh my God, <laughs> what i I doing here? You know. But um, no, we we you know it was musically. You know, we, at the time when the, when that record came out, you know, and Sissy. I mean, Sissy Strut really was like was. A big song for the for the yeah. for the meters in, in the in the South, you know, all the yeah. way all the way. That, that song took us all up all the way up the East Coast, you know, and uh, we played every little city, every little um, um, state, you know, up the East Coast uh, with, off that song. Sissy starting sophisticated sissy, and uh, um, and <laughs> the funny thing was we were we were, we were we was drawing a lot of uh, of, of, of gay men. Because the titles Sissy. of the songs, right? You know, and uh, uh, and and you know, we, were, we were we were disappointing a lot of a lot of gay men because they was realized that we weren't gay. We were going after the girls. said, <laughs> <It's, it's>, "Wow," <laughs> you know. But it was just a, it was title was a song that we didn't even title. We did we we didn't title the song. Marshall Sehon titled those songs. You know. Wow,
0: who saw that coming? No, that's right. Exactly. Who saw it's
1: like the trick bag album? <laughs> Who saw that coming?
0: Wow. So you know, um, you got your your bass here. Maybe maybe we could have some fun with that because I I feel like there's a couple techniques that 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 you do that now is like it's just part of it's part of the language of music. But maybe maybe a lot of it kind of came out of stuff that you were doing maybe because you're you were a guitarist first <laughs> 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 but like uh i don't know do you want to you want to pick that thing up or all right, all right. you're cool. going to
1: have to tell me what technique you are talking about oh, three, three, yeah.
0: So I mean, yeah. For example, a lot of stuff that the some bassists only would play with two two fingers. Uh-huh. You're using your thumb a lot. Right? I use
1: my thumb a lot, uh, um, and um, and I kind of I kind of use them both. They use uh, you know I, I will wear, if I'm playing if I'm on a tour and I, I'm I'm out maybe gonna say ten shows. Uh-huh. Usually by the by the by the eighth show, my fingers are hurting.
0: Ah, so self-preservation. My thumb, my
1: thumb has a really nice, you know, forty-year callus on it. Right. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so I can go, I can go back to my thumb and uh, and 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 be, you know, and feel safe, you know, and and it, and it, and it's and and my thumb t- it has a totally different tone. It's deeper. It's a deeper tone than than my fingers.
0: Ah, okay. So that's part of that's part of the concept. Yeah. So what's what's some uh, famous bass line that you that you played that that's that's pretty thumb heavy? <laughs>
1: famous bass line. Yeah. Well, the most most famous bass line that's been played wrong <laughs> continuously <laughs> is Sissy Strut, and 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 and, this, and the and the, the thing that that is is that it's the second lick that everyone always wants to play. Always wants to play. Wants to play more notes than it is. everybody wants to play, right. <laughs> which is wrong.
0: That's 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 being done on the organ or the guitar.
1: Um, there was a bass and guitar played
0: that lick. So you guys, are, neither of you guys are playing that.
1: Neither neither of us. Are everybody playing. just
0: hears that in their head. Yeah. No.
1: So what? Well, you hear that lick? I do. I hear
0: that. ba da da
1: I might have to go back and listen to that. Maybe Art Neville is playing that. <laughs> you know, because for me, we, we, they used to. Um, they took a lot of Art's left hand, get buried in his mixes, mm-hmm. you know, um, because you know, because he was always want to play bass lines in his left hand, right? And, and if and if that's what he's doing, then maybe that's why everybody wants right. to do that. Because but the real lick was me and Leo was playing. Right. It, that's the lick. That's mm. the real lick.
0: Right. And then on the second part, uh it gets its it's That is the p- second part. Well, the I guess the third part, the bridge. Oh, oh okay. That that because, that part is much harder to pick out what you're doing when it goes into that third part.
1: No, there's only two parts. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, another one. The first the first half of that the first half of that lick is also played wrong. Everybody wants to do Uh-huh. Uh, mo- uh, mostly everybody out here plays rather than That's the real lick. the two of that's the two licks
0: but there's a part in the song it goes into that like c9 bung, check, 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 in the, the organ bung. solo yeah and the bass changes it up yeah well in, in the, he, organ, solo, kind of the organ solo yeah
1: the, oh you would call that, the, that that's uh, a solo that, okay. that, that, that i wouldn't call that a bridge that, okay, but okay. that's a solo then i'm just playing.
0: Uh.
1: So and uh, and actually, what's on record and what I play and where I have it in my mind today, uh, it was funny. There's a young lady um, that took on on YouTube. She took on a project uh, that she was gonna learn uh, every meter song on 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 a on a um, on a, on a um, anthology record. Okay,
0: eighty something songs. And
1: uh, uh, and she. Um, and she uh, she she's posted five so far, mm-hmm. and uh, uh um and two of them, two of well two of them she since she, she struts she heard mm-hmm. she's heard she, she was playing, uh no no here oh, here come the meter man. She was on a plan. Well, how'd you do that? Well how she did it. I can't remember how she did it, but if she was playing, she was leaving out a note. Oh, she was playing. Uh, she, uh, oh, she, uh, yeah, okay. she was playing uh, yeah. that. That's what right. she was doing. And and I so I I kind of I kind of gave made a little note on right. the tour and told her that this yeah. is that, that is a, that's a B flat and, and it's a, cause she was doing it like that. Oh, that's what she was doing. Oh,
0: okay. All right. That's
1: what she was doing. Mm-hmm. And um and I so I, I wrote a little note and said the way I played this. You know, so that that's the, so I made a little note for her to do that. Right. And then I was I had been seriously thinking about maybe uh, um, going out and start and, and maybe do that. You know, no, uh, changing uh, it go, up. Go find find no find you know find some of the the, the students that's out there that's posting stuff because I like what right. she was doing and the fact that she's taking on she's she's playing all my parts almost like identical to the way right. I, uh, to, to the way you know she's she's really deep. And what she said she did she used some program can not remember the program she's there but she's using that she's out she can take and dial out mm-hmm. the bottom in okay so she don't hear my notes my notes are there and then she played along with the record you oh, know okay. and it, it was really cool you know because I mean her bass line is there but you know but her bass line is almost like perfectly to what right. I played you know it was cool that
0: right. said now do you pay pay a lot of attention to letting when notes end is that something you think about consciously
1: um i i, I don't I think it's, it's automatic now. I kind of, yeah. I kind of like, you know, get away from notes. Well, because what the idea is, is that I'm getting away from the backbeat, so I, I, don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't have a note that's hanging on when the backbeat comes up.
0: So you get out of the way. Yeah, I get for, out of the, the way of the backbeat. Yeah.
1: So, mm-hmm. uh, um, but you know, I mean, when I play like the trio kind of gig, those gigs, I can, I tend to overplay because it's just three of us right you You need the sound it's not necessary that you need the sound because if if we left that space it would be it would it would probably be cool too you know Uh because you know i mean you're thinking about it you know the 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 silence is 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 musical
0: sure yeah yeah so another thing you do is you, you do a little bit of it's almost slapping but it's not quite slapping like you don't go over the top but you do some stuff where you yeah
1: i don't know how to slap real well i mean I, I i i do i do things like that you know the,
0: and also on the high strings too with the and I do yeah it, you do that but not
1: yeah but, so it's not it's not slapping it's more like pulling uh-huh right so I, i'm more like pulling than than slapping I don't, I don't have that technique at all. Right. See, people, some guys get that with it going yeah, down. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I just, mm-hmm. I don't have that. You know, plus I don't know how to get that. Right. To get that sound, I have to pull it. Right.
0: And then sometimes uh soloing one thing I, I really I mean maybe you don't want to hear this but a lot of people don't like bass solos you know that Oh no yeah. <laughs> but, 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 uh, but
1: <laughs> what happens after the drum solo is the bass solo yeah <laughs>
0: right But uh, but uh like you've you've actually during your trio set the other night like I was engaged through all of your your solos and I think it, Part of it might be that you you keep the groove in it, like the groove. Actually, a lot of New Orleans musicians do this. Drum solos too. Like the groove is always there. It's not. They don't leave you out in the in the in the mists to wonder where the one is. Right, or, you right. Know what I right. mean. So well, I, I mean that's
1: important. I mean, I I mean you know, uh, 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 well, we do things with with the trio as well as that. Um, we keep the we keep a pocket going while the drummer solos on top of it. You know, right, so he can play his solo, and and when and when and, and when when I take a solo, you know, it's it's like I like the fact that you know that the drummer stays. He he finds he finds a simpler part, mm-hmm. but he keeps the pocket going, and I right. and I get to play on top of it, and and and, uh, uh, and you know, and, and he and, and Terrence gets busy, you know, but he, mm-hmm. you know, but he knows when to get busy. And, but he, but with him, I kind of always feel I don't you know. Now we've got the other night we got lost several times. We you know we get we get in the middle of things and get lost. Right. But uh uh uh, uh, uh. And, that, and I mean getting lost is okay. Mm-hmm. As as long as you know how to get how, how to find yourself. Right. And, and you know and and we know I've seen bands get lost and have to shut the zone and just stop playing because we we don't right. know how to get back. You know. Right. But uh, um so we 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 just that particular band you know um we listen to each other really well so you know so you know it's it's not like um a disaster it's not a train wreck right right you know, right, right. just somebody just got lost and but somebody always you know brings one back to the table you know
0: yeah yeah and it says it's very clear yeah it's it's very clear that you all have really great ears and can can kind of navigate on the fly yeah. and and that you Keep it fresh by 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 being that open experimental. Yeah.
1: Come in the other night, we did some we did some stuff when Chris Chris came set in on us, and we we do it um we did the song that's on my on the new record nights, nice. and in the middle of it uh, as a that little part in the back of the song, well we we got off and we had done that and the song pretty much the song was over with. But we, I went somewhere else. I went to something else, something like that, yeah. and uh, and we were just hanging out there and jamming. that went off to way out, for, way out in the out. And Mike took us uh, like a a synth solo, mm-hmm. and you know, and I don't know how long. I'm I'm still because I want to pull up the tape and listen to that one. But uh, um, but we were out there for a nice little period of time, yeah. And uh, and, uh, and, 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 and and at some point, it was like. We just me and Chris just went back and, and he looked at me and said, I knew you was gonna do that Wow <laughs> it, was, it was like it was it was so funny and that, you know, and it was like I mean because because you you're listening to each other, you know, things like that can happen and everybody's like it only, it's only you a split second, everybody's on it, you know. So right that's so that's that's one of the fun things about that 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 particular trio, you know.
0: Yeah, so you're having fun. I,
1: I'll have I'm having really lots of fun with that band, and we we we've, we've been up here recording. You know,
0: great, nice. Well, I mean, we covered a lot. Not you know, we kind of skipped uh, all the amazing studio people. Oh, how about and all these rock guy, you know, Paul McCartney's and uh, I, I used to uh, when I was re- DJing uh, back in college a lot. I used to always play that live at the Queen Mary album. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I hated that record. Really?
1: Oh yeah. Well, you know, it was it was it was it was actually the first unauthorized release of ours. Oh really? Us. Wow. yeah, it was a, that record was mastered from a cassette mm-hmm. that somebody got their hands on. And yeah. and uh, you know, Paul McCartney actually had the multi track tapes for that gig. And, you know, if you know, the meters could have you know, it would have been a smart move on our part to have McCartney produce it and put it out as, you know, partner right. and, um presents. Right. We know, but that, you know, somebody backdoored us on that. You know, Oops. the guy went out and released, and released it uh, with the, you know, with, I, I'm assuming with the okay from, you know, our then manager, Marshall Sion. Mm hmm. And um, you know, the record came out. From that point on, McCartney stopped talking to us. He wasn't he wouldn't he wasn't responding oh, you know, because, you know, I, I think we slapped him in the face, you know. And you know, and I say we because it was our music, it was our right. performance, but the band didn't have we had no idea about it. It right. was uh, like the old days, you know, like it was like sixty six and sixty seven this guy show up on the road and hand us a new record. Say, Hey, here's your new record. Right. <laughs> wow. Know?
0: Yeah, I guess that there's been quite a few of those kind of type of things. That oh yeah. over the years. Oh yeah,
1: I mean that's one of the one of the things that you know that kind of has you know has most is most Zig and Leo mostly where they are, you know, with trusting recordings, live recordings and yeah. stuff. You know, because you know people, you know people, you know, go around behind behind your back and release this stuff. You know right. and. And put it out there. There may be some stuff on there that you won't ever want nobody to hear, course, you know. But yeah. now it's on the road. It's out there, you know. Yeah.
0: So, is there a way, something about yourself that you you manage to not get drawn into whatever bitterness could could arise from from these things happening? You know, through is there something career? that that like, like yeah? Is there something that you know? Because I know some people just get they can't let go of these things when oh yeah.
1: Have, well, I, I I think it's it's. It's much easier uh how do you say it is it takes more energy to be angry. Right. Than it than it than it takes to um to to you know just be careful. Mm-hmm. Uh, um so um I I've I've I think that um I find that in my sobriety that I've learned that if I ha- if I don't have any way of controlling that situation, then I'm not gonna let it bother me. Right. So I'll be very careful and not try and put myself in a position where I have to worry about it afterwards. But you know, if I if I don't have no control of it, I, I'm not gonna worry about it. You know.
0: Right. And and uh, you 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 stepped into the world of sobriety decades ago. Something like that. I
1: stepped into that? Yeah. Well, oh, what, 28 years ago? Yeah. 28 years. I've been, so, this would be my 29th year wow. of sobriety. And, uh, and, 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 um, yeah. I mean, after I got sober, I decided that I'm only going to worry about stuff that I can fix. Mm. If I can't fix it, then I'm not going to worry about it, you know? Right. That's
0: a good message for life. Well, maybe, uh, maybe you could take us out, uh, was some some bass lines, some stuff you're really proud of?
1: <laughs> well, you know, er, 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 everybody, you know, uh, I mean, I never could, we never got credit for playing the song. But, you know, uh, but the, the, the bass line, one of the, the simple things of like sneaking salad through that.
0: Ah. <laughs> wow, something nasty about that. I beg-a-da-da-da. Yeah, that, that's but it's—I
1: mean, but it's—it's it's like a simple, simple part. Yeah. You know, it's like it's not a whole lot of stuff. And I'm playing more than it was played on the record. Right, 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 I, right. On the record, I played out. even less than that.
0: Right. And the the uh, the muted string stuff—that—that's yeah. that, killer. So, time—is it something you ever specifically worked on your time, like? Exercises to get tight, or just came from from hours and hours of playing. I think it beca-
1: it came from just hours and hours of playing, and you know, yeah. uh, I I something I never done after after we started recording with Alan was practice. I never practiced <laughs> because I was playing, so I was playing so right. much. I was, you know, we were playing. I mean, we were we were playing six nights a week on Bourbon Street, uh, 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 and um, and on Sundays. Me, Zig, and Leo would go play a jazz, a, a swing gig with a mm-hmm. uh, with a saxophone player named um, I can't think of his name now, um, but he was um, a little Italian kid uh, um, that you know um, on, on not on Frenchman, but on, on Espeonet.
0: Mm-hmm. Frank Sinatra, huh? Frank Sinatra. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. No, well, Frank Sinatra. No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Frank didn't play saxophone.
0: Yeah. Another telling. Um wow, killing man. Well, I appreciate your time. This has been great, um, and uh, you know, you can let us know when you're up in New York with the band. Yeah, what you got, what you got lined up?
1: Well, I got a, I got so a lot a lot of stuff coming up. Uh, in fact, I'm going to be in New York uh, on the 16th and the 17th of April.
0: Okay. Uh, um.
1: Um. Is it April? Yeah, because 'cause we'd already passed. Right. It's sixteen, seventeen of April. Okay. It's doing no. a um it's sort of a, 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 a they're releasing um it's a group called um oh man, wait a minute, Where's my phone? Uh, oh. It's a um there was a video done um to of cancer survivors. Uh, um BU love life mm-hmm. organization is doing a a, a show on the, on the 17th that's basically releasing the the video uh, um oh, great. Of, in, okay. of 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 of, uh, of of spouses of cancer survivors or people who have lost people right. to cancer and um and uh, my wife just recently survived uh, oh, pancreatic wow. cancer and um um so um that was um I I'm going up to do that on the seventeenth. Right. But then the organizers said, Let's see if we can find you a, another little hit while you're in the neighborhood right. because it was, you know, it's it wasn't about money, it was about uh, about, you know, doing something for you know, for the cancer survivors, you know, and, and stuff. So uh, so they got me a paying gig the night before. Uh uh and I'm going up and playing with uh, uh Adam Deutsch's daddy, uh, um, um and um jam james, um, jamescr- Caesar and another another player let's see bobby Deutsch, james 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 Casey
0: nice, all right, I think we're good right we're All co- right. We're co- anything we miss I, you know. uh, I don't think so I mean of course, but <laughs> oh I got one one last question this is one mm-hmm. did you ever have the thought like actually it is too damn funky in here is it again you ever think like You know what? It is too damn funky in here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know. Sometimes, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes it is. Well, you know, what I like and and, the things and and I find it be funny is that when, when I'm playing, and it doesn't necessarily always happen, it happens more with the trio than it does with any other bands I play in, but every now and then, you know, and different organizations, you know, and you you know it, you always know that when when people's paying attention, you know, and we all go somewhere and then we all get back to where we started at Without without you know, without even directions, you know, no band leader saying, Yeah hey, you know, right, right, like We right. just all of a sudden everybody boom, we fall in this hole. Yeah, you know, and this the pocket is killing like it's you know, it's, right. it's like so everybody just kinda look around at each other and say, Who did that?
0: Right, <laughs> right, right. Who
1: thought was that? You know, it's 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 like, you know, there's that's that's yeah, sometimes it does get to be really funky. In there. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and and do you ever think like uh you hear stuff that's so influenced by the Meters. Do you ever think like these youngins? Like that's not how it's done. Or do you ever ever have these thoughts? Or like, or, I, you or, know,
1: I don't know if I have the the thing about whether that is how it started was the fact that um more than than you know I'll just say I know where that came from right you know right, and right. I'll smile or something like that's that and I can I'll, I'll smile and say I know where it I you know I can't I I can't. Um, you know, I can't knock a a, a a a a player or a group of players that have found found something and something that I did, mm-hmm. and 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 and, pr- and promoted it much better than I did, and made it better musically and made it makes a better income off it, right? You know, than I did because you know, I mean, you know, when we were kids the people who controlled our our uh, controlled our situation you no know, that's the last thing they wanted us to do was to get rich right cuz then we would have got rich then we would have been uncontrollable <laughs> right <laughs> you know? uh, and then again we may all be dead you know <laughs> because right. yeah you know, there's too many people that got rich fast didn't live long mm. you know wow you know uh, um so yeah you know, uh, that was you know that's i I kind of, I'm kind of, you know, I'm not unhappy that that you know that I, I still have to play every day to keep my bills on my bills paid and mm-hmm. you know keep my granddaughter who's graduating in grad school and stuff like that you know happy and stuff you know I I, I you know I'm not disappointed that I'm not rich right uh, I'm I'm just maybe a little a uh, little disappointed that um, that what we did. Isn't as recognized in the world for what it was, right? You know, um, you know, the, uh, the play—they got some players that out there that you know that tell you this is where this came from. You know, guys like the Red Hot Chili Peppers—they'll—they'll they'll tell you in a minute where Africa came from. Right. I mean, where, where, um, um, what else, God, I think the name of a song now. They, but it was the song, our song, Africa, and it was theirs, their song was called something else. I can't think of it. But um, you know, there's there's players like that. You know, right. you know, when the when the hip hop community adapted uh, and, and and started hijacking, you know, all of, a lot of our songs. You know, they didn't give us any credit. They didn't ask us. You know, right. they uh, when they got caught. They had they had a system set up where, you know, every every song every uh every song was was uh, uh, was bankrupted. So you know you couldn't go after the song, Damn. you know. So like you know, so it was like you know, it was it was it was it was a scam because people knew that they were stealing the songs, right? You know, they were stealing your your, your performance. They should have paid you for your performance. And it was they didn't use a whole song; they just used a piece of your song. Right. So, but they just had to pay you for your performance, right? Because they used me. I'm playing on these records, right, You right, know, right. but they, you know, but you know, you know, some people like Queen Latifah told us, man, sue me. <laughs> you know? oh, wow, and that's how we found out that every song has a. It was in bankruptcy, so it's, it's, you know, you, sue me means you, you sue, sue, the sue, the sue the bankrupt. you know. Amazing! <laughs> you it's know?
0: like people who are learning from their abusers or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's that it's so, mentality. I mean,
1: it's, so I, now, I never got angry about that. You know, I never got angry. I was disappointed. But you know again, like I said, you know that's something I didn't control, so you know yeah. i so i'm not gonna let my whole world come to a screaming halt because I'm trying to fight that right, and it's a losing i'm fighting a losing battle against that you know, yeah. so you know that's wow. that's the way it is you well know? that's
0: a lot of wisdom and and I wonder if that really that that actually came from what you learned to overcome addiction to 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 to, to really understand i believe that. it
1: did i i believe it did i believe i believe that you know. The fact that s- s- wanting to survive, you know, if you put yourself in a position where you're just continuously worrying about who's taking this and who's doing this and who's doing that and who's getting paid and when you ain't, you know, um, then you know you're just running down your inner your inner glow, you know. Right. And if, once your inner glow goes goes out, you know, then you you can't. You you have no more. You lost the fact, the battle. You know you're sitting in the corner sucking up a bottle of liquor. You know and you know it's, or something even worse. You know, I I know for a fact I can't go back there. I did that already. I, I I did I did that. You know I I mean I don't think that when I was as screwed up and messed up, I worried about anything. Cause I was having too much fun. Right. <laughs> you know I knew when I was loaded. I was having fun. You know and 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 then when it stopped being fun is when I realized that you no, know, maybe i better quit this before right. i be dead, you know because yeah. I was getting that close, you know, and i was I was going to funerals for friends, you know, and when I, when I, when I really realized that it's getting too close to home, I think I better cool this I better cool this out, you know, and that's what right. I did
0: well that's that's deep what you say about the the inner glow because you are someone with a very clear inner glow i mean that's that that comes out. No, you thank know. you. All right. I, yeah. I'm
1: having fun. I'm having fun, right. I, and I'm I'm surrounding myself by good musicians who like to have that, that like playing and, and 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 a love listening. Mm. You know, if we all listening to each other, we gonna is no end to what we can do.
0: Wow. All right. Well, thanks for your time, George Porter Jr. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Ben.